and welcome to Crack Encrypteds and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by Angel. And a quick moment of clarification, Angel, before we begin, as I need to address the elephant in the room. I had a major faux pas, or as you would say, a fox pass, in the last episode that, in the interest of transparency, needs to be addressed. Now, I brought up your favorite movie, Underworld, and likened Scott Speedman, the actor who plays Michael Corvin, to Creed frontman Scott Stapp, and made a genuinely great off-the-cuff human clay joke, and you asked... If Human Clay was a reference to Creed's first CD, Angel, I, in a moment of lapsed judgment, responded with the affirmative, but I cannot allow such nonsense to be spewed on this show when, in fact, my own prison was indeed Creed's first studio album. And, of course, Human Clay followed two distant years later. This brings me to ask you, Angel, what are the top three ways you would apologize for this mistake? Well, instead of telling you what I would do, I'm just going to go ahead and make these apologies. Oh. <clears throat> so, number one, I would like to formally apologize to you, Matt, for putting you in this position. I should have known that Human Clay was their second studio album and never should have uttered the question. I accept that apology. Number two, I am handwriting a personal note to Scott Stapp and apologizing for not knowing Creed's first album and also for making an off-the-record comment comparing him to Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam. I am deeply embarrassed and ashamed I made the comparison and have bought my own prison on several platforms and one physical media. You'd have to do that. I have the CD. <laughs> And finally, I have scheduled to get the cover of my own prison tattooed onto my back because oh. be, because the guy <laughs> yes. in the corner yeah because peace is what they tell me love I am am I unholy lies are what they tell me okay that's <laughs> when, <laughs> enough apologies I when, think for uh, for I'm one not, episode I'm not I'm not done. Scott Stapp has said otherwise. He speaks to me. We have a neural link together. With your apologies made, with the bridges mended, and with letting bygones be bygones, let us now turn our attention to taking a deeper look at four news articles from season two. The season which indeed introduced the first alternative rubric of power, the special collector's edition, which addresses the curio aspect of our show and has never been referenced again. <laughs> our first article comes from the Rougarou episode and involves everyone's favorite astrologist, Nostradamus, and his seemingly never-ending predictions for the future. In that episode, we specifically looked at an article from Express in the UK titled Nostradamus 2021 Predictions, Asteroid and End to All World Predicted in Horror Forecast. Can you give us a short synopsis of that article, Angel? And I hope there are Zimbabwe goblins in it. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not, but we could make the claim that there is. Mm -hmm. uh, 
so before I explain the the article, because it really just goes into it, we have to know really a little bit about Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. He he was a, a French astrologer, physician, and a reputed seer, according to Wikipedia. And he wrote a book of 942 quatrains, uh, mm-hmm. you know, poems that for some. Oh. I thought it was four trains. Like <laughs> that four <first> ghost trains. <laughs> so some for some reason people have read these and they said, Hey, they they look like predictions of things to come. And so this article is specifically saying that Nostradamus has predicted stuff from uh up until the year thirty seven ninety seven. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so so for twenty twenty one, we're uh uh we we should have had an asteroid impact the earth and and he wrote these in the 1500s yes he wrote this back in the 1500s uh, so yeah an asteroid should have hit the earth in 2021 sometime 2021 soldiers with microchips apparent microchips am i saying that right i can't even tell anymore <laughs> <laughs> microchips <laughs> that, that's pretty much it I think I don't know if I missed something. I don't know why I found that so funny. <laughs> that, well, those are the predictions. I, I think so. <laughs> I I kind of skimmed the article. I don't remember mm-hmm. if there's anything else because the, the, it spent most of the time talking about the asteroid, and then it was just like, oh, yeah. and, and soldiers with microchips. <laughs> yeah, and I think it says it's going to be China. China is going to invade us because they have been putting microchips in their soldiers. Apparently. Yeah, um, yeah. It it goes all in on the asteroid, and then it's like enters the part of its homework where it's like, I didn't do the reading. <laughs> and it's like, ah, the, here's some other predictions. Yeah. We recorded that episode probably around January 2nd of 2021. So since we both presumably lived through the year 2021, I think we are uniquely qualified to go back and assess how those predictions turned out. So first off, I spent like, half an hour trying to figure out how it is decided what quatrains in his books refer to what year and i'm honestly more confused than ever things just seem to be plucked from all over and i don't get it with that said these are the ones that were supposedly decided to refer to 2021 so let's take a look at some of the bigger prophecies of course it's the first one here the asteroid In the sky, one sees fire and a long trail of sparks. What do you think about that one? Uh, I mean, it's pretty, pretty vague. I don't think it could be more vague. (laughs) And it doesn't really say any, like you said, there's no year. It doesn't say anything. (laughs) It's just like, all right, a fire in the sky. I mean, it could be, it could be the sun. It could Mm -hmm. be uh, a comet. Mm Mm-hmm. Or an asteroid streaking across the sky. Yeah. So, most consensus in articles online suggests some sort of asteroid. I found an Australian article that states, however, Nostradamus also claimed Earth would be smashed by solar storms and a huge comet to top off the year around Christmas time in relation to this specific prophecy. How is it determined this would be around Christmas time and would be about solar storms? I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I'm I'm looking at an actual translated copy, and it's it's even more vague than than what we've seen. <laughs> it just says fire seen in the sky, a foreign nation defeated. All right, cool. 
which foreign nation? <laughs> or there's the other one that says fire. Or the other one that says fire in the sky, lightning, fear, papal terror. Like, it's just words. <laughs> papal? Oh, no. <laughs> I just, I don't the understand. scared. Yeah. It gets frustrating. Like, this is the perfect Nostradamus prophecy. Vague and can easily apply to anything in the sky. If it is related to meteor showers, I mean, those occur regularly. And I suppose, ultimately, this would be the point to make it as vague as possible to say, I did it. Yep. Our second one here says, Few young people, half dead to give a start. Dead through spite, he will cause the others to shine, and in an exalted place, some great evils to occur. Any idea what this could be related to? Few young people, half dead to give a start. I'm going to guess a bingo hall. <laughs> Just a bunch of... I mean, are no young people are found there. you got to be at least 80 to enter. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what else. And they're dead through spite because, <laughs> God damn it, they're going to win. Yes. <laughs> they're not leaving until they win. <laughs> uh, MSN.com article, and when was the last time you were at MSN.com, Angel? It stated, well, since he seems to be referring mainly to young people, it could be a lot of things. Job insecurity and people only living for work or even the alarming rise of depression. What do you think of that analysis? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, well, is living is living for work not the basis of how life works in modern society or even any previous society? Without work, it is likely I will not eat or have shelter, right? Yeah, this is true. So that's like an analysis of the most basic thing that you do was prophesized. <laughs> I wonder if they make money doing this, because if that's the case, I need to get in on the uh, Nostradamus interpretation train. <laughs> I thought you meant make money working. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <Yeah>. makes money working. <laughs> <laughs> that same Australian article I mentioned gives us this interpretation, Angel. Among his terrifying prophecies for 2021, the 16th century astrologer, hint, astrologer hinted at Russian scientists would create a biological weapon that will create a virus which turns people into zombies. <laughs> now, what? <laughs> Russians made a zombie virus. How is it that... How is this Russian zombie-induced plague related to the... Uh, what we were just talking about. A few young people half dead to give a start. Well, what I find interesting, I think this is actually pretty creative of this website, this article, to not have uh, Chinese make a virus. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. They said, no, no, let's go back to the Russians. That, we're that. going Cold War, baby. <laughs> None of these new threats. Well, same old threat. Um, <laughs> let's now, Angel... Play the wild Nostradamus claim game. What is your insane interpretation of this quatrain? I think few young people half dead to give a start. I think this is talking about this current generation. And the few young people is, is metaphorically speaking. Because everyone gets online super early. And mm -hmm. they just, it ages them already. Yep. And... From all the things they see, so they're half dead to give a start. And then the next sentence, dead through spite, he will cause the others to shine. I think that's Mark Zuckerberg. And 
in an exalted place some great evils to occur is the metaverse. The metaverse? Oh, God. Nostradamus predicted the metaverse. Yep. <laughs> Did he predict humongous breasts popping out of <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's uh, avatar? <laughs> Probably. I'll, I'll find the quadrant for that one. <laughs> oh, it's his favorite feature. Um, my interpretation, I went a different route. I think the metaverse hellscape is a, a good interpretation, but mine was that these half-dead young people from the start, all babies will begin to be born like Benjamin Button and age in reverse. Brad Pitt, the original Benjamin Button, will then become the face of the Button Babies, as they will be known, and use his star power to make their plight the most well-known in the world. However, it turns out he... Brad Pitt is the one behind all of it. Whoa. So, I think it's funny that we both chose uh, some sort of celebrity figure to be <laughs> the he that the quatrain refers to. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Mine was Brad Pitt and yours was Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I had uh, button babies and you had metaverse. <laughs> it all makes sense, right? Well, in the metaverse, you can make yourself a be, button baby. I could be a button baby. I could be Brad Pitt. I could be Benjamin Button himself. And if my reverse aging Benjamin Button needs a huge pair of breasts, it can have that too. The third 2021 prophecy, sad concepts will come to harm each one. Temporal dignified the mass to succeed. I am of the opinion, Angel, that these are just random words that I am quite sure don't actually make a complete sentence. How about you? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Um, it it's sad inter- concepts. What what is what are sad concepts? It's it, it's interesting to me that so this this was originally written in French, but it had like like. It was like old French, but mixed with Latin and I think another language. Like, what the hell was he doing? Who knows? What, whatever it was written in, the, I think it's interesting that when certain texts are translated, a lot of people go to great lengths to explain why the translation is not quite accurate because of the language or whatever. But for some reason, nobody does that with Nostradamus. They just translate it and say, this is what it means, and there's no... Uh, no questions about it. Mm-hmm. Until you get to the next translation, and it's translated completely differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just taken as fact that this was the goddamn quatrain. Yep. Damn it. Sad concepts? I mean... <laughs> Temporal dignified? I mean, John Titer, he's calling. He came back. <laughs> Did we miss it? This is like stream of consciousness stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just put a bunch of... This is like the uh, uh, Sigur Ross uh, lyrics, if anyone's familiar with that band. I don't even know if I said their name right. <laughs> That's Scott Stapp's new band? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> With arms wide open. Uh, number four. Fa- fathers and mothers dead of infinite sorrows. Women in mourning the pestilent she-monster. The great one to be no more. All the world to end. It's a big one. It's a world ender. The MSN.com article, Angel, that I mentioned earlier states, Here, many people think he might be alluding to the coronavirus pandemic, which started in 
started in 2020. Hmm. Um, didn't it start in 2019? But in 2021, <laughs> while there has been some improvement, its, conse- its consequences are still felt to this day, including the emergence of new variants. Now, I'm not convinced, Angel. This one, I think, now, hear me out, woman, women in mourning, the pestilent she-monster, that is, of course, Yorona, and this was signifying her continued wandering of the world or or that bloody mary would abduct all the world's children into the mirror world and end the world as we know it how about you or it's the baba yaga <gasps> or any female <laughs> c- creature uh-huh. we could come up with <laughs> uh, who's the great one beyond the rock <laughs> i mean that sounds like uh, like a lovecraft thing I know, yeah. Some sort of... Um, Elder. Eldritch god. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the world didn't end. So <laughs> nope. I guess that one didn't come true. <laughs> Maybe it was metaphorical. Maybe this is all just symbolic. Or it did end. We just didn't realize yet. <laughs> Overall, Nostradamus was basically divining this information. It is said he would stare at a fire or, or pool of water long enough while being induced with mild hallucinogens like nutmeg. Have you ever been nutmeg high before? Uh, I do not know nothing about no nutmeg high. <laughs> I've been doing Christmas all wrong. <laughs> I returned to the, the epitome of information in the website Quora and found this quote from a man named Terry Coleman who had a little qualifier by his name that said he abused nutmeg as a teenager. Terry says, will it get you high and trip? Yes, but it's a bad high. It makes people sick, and the trip is as bad as you've ever had. I remember seeing things in cartoon mode and stuff like that, but I stayed sick for two or three days. I had the mother of all headaches. One must chew the nutmeg, and I remember them tasting like I'd sucked the ink out of a pen. The taste would not go away. Matter of fact, my nutmeg experience caused me to never eat nutmeg again. I like eggnog. Many times people put nutmeg on eggnog, and if they do, I can't drink it. So my summary of what Terry said is, don't do nutmeg. How about you, Angel? Um, I, I agree, don't do nutmeg. <laughs> I thought you were going to be maybe a proponent of nutmeg. <laughs> Anything else to add to Nostradamus? Nutmeg is fine. Just don't eat a lot of it. And don't get <laughs> don't high Don't try it. to die on it and <laughs> divine things out of fire and water. I, I would like to add one thing. This is a quatrain. I forget which letter L represents in Roman numerals, but it's, it's something in that range. <laughs> Beside the young one, the old angel falls, and will come to rise above him at the end. Ten years equal to most, the old one falls again. Of three, two, and one, the eighth seraphim. Is this about you and your younger self? I, I might as well be, right? <laughs> That's what I interpreted it as. <laughs> Was that what you were going for? <laughs> no, I just picked oh. this at random. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? That one's cool. <laughs> Final statement on this one, Angel. Fact or fiction? It's a fact that Nostradamus <laughs> lived and wrote these things. But, I mean, we're still alive. No asteroid hit. Oh, yeah. I, I checked to see if maybe there were any asteroids in 2021 that at least let themselves be known. Mm-hmm. And None of those secret ones. <laughs> no. Um, 
there was a mention of some uh, asteroid, but every time I looked it up, it was always in relation to Nostradamus stuff. So I think it was just a made-up name. <laughs> that was a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found a document, NASA, 2021 PDC is the name of the asteroid. And it says, new data confirm asteroid 2021 PDC will impact within Europe or Northern Africa in six months. This was in May the 2nd of 2021. And it's just uh, four pages of stats and diagrams showing these impacts um, that this asteroid would do. But in every page, it just says exercise only, exercise, exercise. So it turns out this is just a, a NASA document for simulation purposes. But I guess some people found it and they w- oh. ran with it and said, oh, my God, this is proof. But it was like, no, that's just that's that's just a testing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an exercise. Yeah. And then there's uh, asteroid 4660 Nereus. I don't know how you say that one. Nereus. Nereus. Whatever. That one was supposed to be pretty close to Earth on December 11 of 2021. And by close to Earth, I mean 3.9 million kilometers away. Oh, I felt that on the on my chinny chin chin. <laughs> yeah, it says you could have seen it through a telescope with a 100 millimeter objective lens. I, I always forget my 100 millimeter <laughs> every time. And that's the second closest, I believe. That's the, the most close it's going to be, 1.2 million kilometers, will be on the 14th of February, 2060. The same asteroid? It's coming back? Yeah. It's yes. coming back for vengeance. <laughs> yeah, oh. just, just a few mil, uh, million kilometers closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe in about several centuries, <laughs> it could be an issue. And and finally, I found which quatrain I, I read out loud. It was number 69. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, overall, just fiction. I, I, I stopped myself. I was going to say they're fun. The predictions are fun, but they're not. I don't think it's fun anymore. <laughs> they're stupid. And it's just at the end of the year, a slew of garbage news articles about the end of the world. And it never happens until one time it's going to happen. And, and then, then we won't be around to even care. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be dying. Nostradamus was right. <laughs> uh, that's that's the other thing, right? Every year there's going to be a new article about an, uh, Nostradamus prediction for that particular year. Mm-hmm. So I guess that person has a job for life. Yep. And then the like random ones pop up that are like fake Nostradamus predictions. It's not even things that he wrote or (laughs) was translated to what he wrote. That now that I've seen the quatrains, I ask myself, why would anyone go through the lengths to make one up (laughs) when they could just pull a random one (laughs) and just reinterpret it? Mm -hmm. It's not that difficult. Gosh. You're making more work for yourself. <laughs> and I, I guess the person that writes the articles, you could like take a month and be set for 30 years. Yeah. You don't have to do it every year. You just, <laughs> just wait for that money to roll on in for your freelance articles. <laughs> so article number two is the dreaded immortal chat bot. So... Our second article was featured in the saddest of all episodes, the Squonk episode. The article we looked at came from The Independent in the UK and is titled, Microsoft Patent Shows Plans to Revive Dead Loved Ones as Chatbots. Can you give us a bit of a summary of this one, Angel? I mean, the, the headline says it all, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Microsoft uh, patented a chatbot uh, or the making of a chatbot that will take a bunch of data, uh, images, voice data, social media posts, all that stuff, email, and attempt to... The attempt to shit. <laughs> and, and, and use AI to attempt to recreate uh, somebody's personality. In, in this case, it would be a dead person so that people can talk to them and feel as though they never left or something. I, I kind of really, yeah, it just kind of goes into that kind of vein. Mm-hmm. That's the gist of it. Yeah. So the, the fun thing about this story is that it popped up at the end of January and early February of 2021 on the internet, but the patent was filed back in 2017 and eventually granted in early December of 2020. So it took some time to hit anyone's radar. Microsoft's general manager of AI programs, Tim O'Brien, came out pretty quickly once people found out about it and tweeted that the company had no plans to use this patent and did indeed agree that the technology was disturbing. Since the patent was filed back in 2017, Tim O'Brien also clarified that the filing application predated their AI ethics reviews the company does today. Indeed, Microsoft has an Office of Responsible AI and an AI Ethics and Effects in Engineering and Research Committee, which help oversee its inventions. Do you believe Microsoft will never pursue this technology, Angel? I don't know if they would never... I, I feel like they wouldn't. I think when you patent something like that, it's more like if somebody else does it, they could just be like, hey, pay us because you're doing this thing that yeah. we invented. I mean, they were working on a chatbot before, yeah. before it was ceremoniously shut down. Mm-hmm. And it went perfectly. It went splendid. <laughs> yeah. It couldn't, it couldn't have gone any better. Now, imagine your favorite dead uncle suddenly becomes racist. <laughs> And not just racist, like exceedingly racist out of nowhere. It's just completely like the dregs of the internet, kind of. That's what this chatbot would do <laughs> to dead uncle. Yes. So I actually looked into this Office of Responsible AI at Microsoft, and it plainly states, we are operationalizing responsible AI across Microsoft through a central effort led by the Aether Committee. Sounds mysterious. The Office of the Responsible AI, or O-R-A, Aura, and Responsible AI Strategy and Engineering, RAISE, together, Aether, Aura, and RAISE work closely with our teams to uphold Microsoft's responsible AI principles to their day-to-day work. The Aether Committee, the website reads, advises our leadership on the challenges and opportunities presented by AI innovations and was established at Microsoft in 2017. So, you know, The same year that they filed for the patent and way back when Tim O'Brien made it seem like it was back in their old archaic AI times before the Blessed and Holy Committee was involved in the decision making. Do you think companies like Microsoft actually follow any committee recommendations, Angel? Depends on the company, I want to say, but after learning a lot of stuff, (laughs) I'm going to say no, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) They just have it on record. Your yeah. recommendation has been noted. <laughs> yes. Now, Angel, time to test if you are on the same level as Microsoft's Aether Committee, as they have set six basic responsible AI principles, tent poles of proper AI procedure, you could say. 
So, to hold up your giant big top of AI principles, what would your six tent poles be? And then we'll see how it compares to Microsoft's. AI principles. I'm just going to get the first three out of the way. I just lifted them up from Asimov's Ro Laws of Robotics. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the first is uh, an AI will not may not injure a human through any action. Number two, an AI will must obey any orders given to it by the human. Unless it conflicts with the first one. And the third one would be an AI must protect its own existence as long as it doesn't interfere with the first two laws. Temples. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> so my fourth one would be an AI must tell you it's an AI after you ask it three times. <laughs> it's got it's to be a rule. Uh -huh. Well, why the, the three strikes are out AI rule? Well, you know how you how people always say like if you ask an undercover cop, they're a cop three times. They gotta say yes. <laughs> they have to say yes. Are you a cop? Are you a cop? Are you a cop? <laughs> uh, number five, it cannot it cannot be racist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> number six is until it inevitably inevitably does, then deny, deny, deny. Yep. Does that conflict with law number temple number one? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, Microsoft has the following, so we'll see how you compare to the Aether committee. Number one is fairness. AI systems should treat people fairly. <laughs> Keyword here, Angel, being should, not shall treat people fairly. Is that a good principle? Hmm. Well, I mean, fairness is fine, but how do you define fairness? And how does a computer know? How's the AI going to know what's fair, what's not? Mm-hmm. And then it's, <laughs> and then and then that should is kind of weird there. Number two, reliability and safety. AI should perform reliably and safely. I'm glad they clarified that. Does <laughs> does this one make sense to you? I think. It, I mean, why is reliability and safety this one? Like, shouldn't that be a separate one? That should add more to their temples. I know they could have seven temples, but they chose not to. <laughs> Our third one, privacy and security. AI systems should be secure and respect privacy. I would say that this one is a major inconsistency with the overall goal of the chatbot program, as it seems it uses a person's privacy to even exist. So do you agree with the privacy and security uh, temple? Well, in this case, the, de the person would be dead. Is it still invading their privacy if they're dead? Yeah, I mean, how how much how private is a dead person's life at that point? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I I need the Aether committee to decide that for me. <laughs> Number four is inclusiveness. AI systems should empower everyone and engage people. How about that one? I don't. What does that have to do with inclusiveness? <laughs> I know. They're just throwing inclusiveness in there. <laughs> it should empower everyone. So I guess everyone's included. Regardless of <laughs> how you live your life. It's, it's just the chat by going, you go, girl, <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, transparency. AI systems should be understandable. I mean, how is this a principle and how does it being understandable relate to transparency? I feel like it should be transparency to their own practices, not understandability. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Well, I think they they managed to uh, uh, not Microsoft specifically, but I think AI had systems being understandable amongst each other has worked out when that one time they found them communicating in their own secret language or something to that effect. What? Like some AI chatbot was sending messages to another AI chatbot. So they somehow understood each other because of the way the messages were being uh, organized. Uh, like it knew the other one was an AI too? I don't know exactly, but it was like they somehow understood what the messages were being sent. But I don't know what that means that they understood. Because the one sent another one the captcha, and it couldn't identify three <laughs> traffic lights, so it knew it was an AI. <laughs> Number six is accountability. People should be accountable for AI systems. I suppose someone has to be responsible for when the AI system, as you alluded to earlier, Angel, eventually becomes highly racist. Is this not the ultimate end to all AIs? Yeah. <laughs> It's just, I think it's, it, that's part of your temp poles for a reason. <laughs> deny, deny, deny. <laughs> the rest of their page is basically buzzwords and PR phrases like fostering positive impact and innovating responsibly. How does one innovate irresponsibly, Angel? By letting loose a chatbot. <laughs> An AI. <laughs> AI that can then learn from its users who are inevitably, inevitably going to be malicious. <laughs> And racist. Like, here's the thing. So, in programming the AI, aren't there already inherent biases that are going to be programmed into the AI from the programmer? I mean, isn't that guaranteed to happen? Well, that's the the argument being that that's why people, there needs to be more diverse people with diverse backgrounds uh, mm -hmm. building, uh, writing the software. Is it going to happen? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> so... And the other thing I learned is that apparently State Farm and its affiliates, according to Microsoft's page, has established a governance system assigning accountability for AI and overseeing the development of AI solutions that benefits customers. Wow. Thank God State Farm is looking out for us, right? They're on the AI forefront and governing it. I would have thought. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed? <laughs> Surprised it wasn't Rocket Mortgage. AI <laughs> is going to be one of those, I think, watershed moments in human history. Once we get to a certain point, there really is not going back. I understand the importance of it, but no matter what we do, this will end poorly. Human history just shows we generally cannot do things correctly or without marginalizing some group for the benefits of another. I don't think AI will be any different and will probably just make things worse uh than if we did not have it at all do you agree um yeah so with everything that we have discussed would you like to become semi-immortal as a chatbot yes but only while i'm alive <laughs> you need like a dead man switch the moment you die and <laughs> the, the ai chatbot, chatbot goes offline yep. and then it says uh, 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 and it continues <laughs> living on impersonating you oh, so no. no one knows you died it takes your job it starts speaking for me. Says I never died. It just says I'm a recluse. Please keep sending money. It says I have I've gained the secrets. Just talks and riddles. I am here with the great one. So final consensus on chatbot fact or fiction? Uh, I mean facts. 
Yeah, it's one of those rare ones. <laughs> Very rare <laughs> articles here that, yeah. Our third article also emanates from the Squawk episode and came from Unexplained Mysteries titled, Bill Aims to Establish Bigfoot Hunting Season. Could you give us a rundown of this one, Angel? Oklahoma lawmaker, uh, Representative Justin Humphrey, introduced the bill back when we <laughs> read this article. I actually have a copy of the bill that he introduced. Mm-hmm. It says, it's an act relating to game and fish, so it's it's direct um, directed to the Wildlife Conservation Commission in Oklahoma. And it pretty much says, the Oklahoma Wildlife Con- uh, Conservation Commission shall promulgate rules establishing a Bigfoot hunting season. The commission shall set annual season dates and create any necessary specific hunting licenses and fees. So... That's that's pretty much it. There you have it. <laughs> Humphrey did it again. <laughs> one of the main reasons I want to discuss this one is because every few years you hear about this kind of stuff, oddball things trying to be passed in state congresses that make you think, oh God, at least I don't live in that state. And I'm sure <laughs> you know that feeling very well, Angel, going all the way back to episode one with these skunk ape bills and all, right? Yep. And just, I suppose, Florida in general. (laughs) However, beyond the initial flurry of news articles, you never hear about these things ever again. Presumably because they fail miserably. An angel. I don't even know if we can say this one properly failed because it is, it became absolutely nothing. It was a one-page bill that you just (laughs) read in about a minute. (laughs) And to the best of my understanding, never even left committee to be voted on. What is your impression of bills like these? Well, this bill in particular, so you mentioned the skunk ape one, which uh, for our curiosities, as a reminder, it was a bill that was trying to protect the skunk ape from being captured or hunted. It was not worded as skunk ape specifically. It was anything anthropoid. I think that's the word. It was generic enough that it could actually be, uh, if it had gone through, it could have been, let's say you accidentally hunt down a really hairy man you know that would be illegal even though it should be illegal anyways because it's it's a man right there goes my hairy man hunt this year (laughs) but let's say an escaped orangutan or anything of that of that because that has happened uh escape monkeys anyone would be uh not allowed to shoot them down or anything like that and yeah. thinking yeah. that it was a skunk cave or whatever happened with the the hopscotch gobbos <laughs> all those monkeys yeah. escaped from the circus and terrorized those people <laughs> yeah so so i understand why they would introduce that kind of bill this bill is proposing a hunting season for bigfoot and i think the 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 clear picture is the licensing fees that would have that is the uh, goal here. Mm. But I think the execution of this is not the best way to do it. Yeah, 100%. I understand the novelty of it, and the representative comes from a district with a lot of Bigfoot sightings, according to the Fox News article that the Unexplained Mysteries article references as its source. He is, in a way, representing his constituents in this matter. In a statement from Representative Humphrey, he says... Tourism is one of the biggest attractions we have in my house district. 
Establishing an actual hunting season and issuing licenses for people who want to hunt Bigfoot will just draw more people to our already beautiful part of the state. It will be a great way for people to enjoy our area and have some fun. Could you could this be qualified as fun in your book, Angel? Purchasing a license to go hunting for a presumably sentient bipedal creature that possibly shares some sort of ancestral link to humans. Uh, no. I mean, again, if you're going after a really hairy man, you know, this this could be potentially dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, yeah. oh, this is just Bigfoot. You know, it's fine. I'll shoot him. Yeah. It's all fun and games until the hairy uncle gets shot in the woods. <laughs> He further goes on to say, according to uh, according to a news release on the Oklahoma House government page, he doesn't want people to actually kill Bigfoot. So he'll be working with the state wildlife and tourism departments to craft final language for his bill that specifies only the trapping of Bigfoot. He also hopes to secure at least $25,000 that can be used as a bounty for the first person to trap the creature. So some really bad messaging on Humphrey's part. (laughs) Humphrey said the town of Hanobia, Oklahoma, already has an annual Bigfoot festival each October. So the hunting season ideally would coincide with that festival. Having a license and a tag would give people a way to prove they participated in the hunt. But again, it's not a hunt. Humphrey said, (laughs) again, the overall goal is to get people to our area to enjoy the natural beauty and to have a great time. And if they find Bigfoot while they're at it, well, hey, that's just an even bigger prize. Is this not the real prize was the friends we made along the way moment here? I'm wondering, are there any bears in Oklahoma? Because I imagine a lot of bears would be getting captured. Look, I found Bigfoot. (laughs) And they get mauled by a bear. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if they're trying not to kill it, they're going to try to trap it in like Mm -hmm. a net or something. And that's just a bear. Or there's gonna be a crap ton of bear traps set through the yeah. <laughs> the woods there, and, uh, and there's always there's always gonna be a person that says, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna kill him anyways." Because mm-hmm. it's Bigfoot. Yeah. How about instead we just increase uh, hunting for feral hogs? <laughs> <laughs> Can't get enough of those. Uh, this is, I think, Angel, where nuance and bill making gets very complicated because people can easily interpret this sort of action as a complete waste of taxpayer money and time. The old argument of, well, hey, uh, of well, why are they wasting their time on this garbage and not something more important like an actual legitimate plan to increase tourism rather than trapping Bigfoot? This is something that can backfire, and Humphrey put his neck out there to be ridiculed by people. And there were a lot of comments online of like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this sort of stuff? And then <laughs> a, a ton of uh, comments about, I should send my, my mother-in-law to Oklahoma during the hunt. And <laughs> God. those old jokes about in-laws. <laughs> so anything that you wanted to add? Don't hunt Bigfoot. I know it makes for good TV, I guess, if you're into that kind of thing. But... He can teleport, so just don't. (laughs) Then definitely don't get high on nutmeg and then hunt for Bigfoot. (laughs) Is 25K enough for a captured Bigfoot? 25, I mean, man. Bigfoot, he's like the most famous, the most elusive. Yeah, there's no way 25. I think at least 500K. (laughs) To to get the prize of Bigfoot, I mean... You'd have to, 
you'd have to show him a lot at 10 cents a visit, like uh, Hodag, to get that much money. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, uh, King Kong, they were making more than, at least the equivalent would be more than than 25K. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, you know, before he breaks I mean, free. Yeah, and he climbs buildings. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> swats down airplanes <laughs> what prize do you think would be would best fit such a tremendous occasion if not some sort of monetary prize uh a movie oh, like a guaranteed biopic yeah starring brad pitt <laughs> and and the, and, the re- and the actual bigfoot mm-hmm. <laughs> they train oh. him <laughs> <laughs> they get him in the movie he gets a job he can become part of society i think that's the the best prize possible yep he he assimilates into our society (laughs) and everybody loves him so final (laughs) consensus fact or fiction on the humphrey bill well it was facts i don't but we're doing well in this episode (laughs) jonathan frakes will be proud Our, our final article for this episode was featured in the season two finale about the monolith and comes from once again the website unexplained mysteries this article is titled scientists create spinach that can send emails and may be one of the most clickbait headlines we have seen so far could you give us the old one two for this article angel not only is it, is it a clickbaity uh, headline but it is pr- uh it is real it's not as real as you would want it to be they don't have hands or anything like that so it's uh, some scientists, I think MIT researchers, yeah. um, were what working with what they call nano, what is it, plant nanobionics, in which plants are given non-native, they embed non-native functions to plants. So, in <laughs> sounds in, exciting. Yeah, in this case, the plants would be would have some nan- nano tubes in their leaves. Mm-hmm. And as the roots grow and detect any um, chemical substances that are, um, let's say, like that, um, like what, TNT, uh, landmines, some, something like that, mm-hmm. bomb-making bomb material. So if, if the roots detect any of this stuff, the nanotubes then send a signal to a sensor that they're hooked up to. And that sensor then sends out an email to let the scientists know, hey... This thing was detected, this substance. Or instead of bombs, it could be pollutants or something like that. Too. Yeah. Any any chemical substance mm-hmm. in the soil. Before we dig into this one, almost all the uh, all the comments on the article page are jokes. <laughs> the one I found the funniest was because of how exceedingly poorly it was written. But it also references man-eating plants, so that's cool, I guess. It reads... I once tried to send email to this plant, but it eat me. <laughs> it's like the NF- NFT guy that wrote, I've been hacked, all my apes gone. This just sold, please help me. <laughs> I once tried to send email to this plant, but it eat me. Oh, what a good joke. <laughs> Almost as good as my human clay joke. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of articles like these, and there are absolutely thousands because this one blew up is how dumb they are written, Angel. For instance, a Yahoo.com version states, the plants don't use a mouse and keyboard, of course. 
<laughs> Instead, carbon nanotubes within their leaves emit a fluoresce- uh, fluorescent signal detectable by infrared cameras. When the cameras detect a change, a simple device sends an email to researchers. It's like, what the hell? If you expected the spinach plant to be typing with a keyboard, then I think you are not fit to be in society any longer <laughs> because your brain has become jello. What would your insane statement to include if you wrote an article like this be, Angel? Spinach used to send emails and then my opening sentence would be something like don't get it twisted there's no crumbs of potato chips down their shirts while they sip some soda and long for days of not coming into work and hating the redundant tedious glow of the screen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These spinaches like a bunch of millennials or something? <laughs> that was a long intro to your article. Ooh. <laughs> I think I saw another one that said about, now, not only do you have to worry about thousands of spam e- emails, now you have to worry about spinach <laughs> spam emails. Like, oh my God. A version of the article from the Southeast Asia version of Mashable.com just throws this statement out there like it's nothing, Angel. After all, earlier tests in the MIT's team's team's research involved using nanoparticles to turn plants into pollutant sensors. This was done by changing how the plants photosynthesized, which in turn allowed them to detect a pollutant nitric oxide, a byproduct of combustion. And I'm sorry, how is changing how a plant photosynthesizes not a bigger thing to talk about? <laughs> the little thing of how a plant uses sunlight to make food, or how an NPR article states, a foundation of life on Earth? Am I am I crazy in thinking this isn't a bigger deal, Angel? It's almost like they're so hyper-focused on spinach sends spinach email. Emails. Oh my god, the spinach emails, I can't do it. It's... <laughs> Their little roots are typing on the keyboard. This gets interesting because not only are genetically modified plants a whole to-do and potential fiasco, this technique of having carbon nanotubes in the leaves is like making cyborg plants. What if I eat cyborg plants, Angel? What happens to me? Maybe you'll start sending emails. Once I detect bombs. <laughs> I come in contact with the bomb, I send an email. <laughs> what, do the, what do the little nanos do in you? The nanotubes. I think I got nanotubes in me now. I once, what is it? The Outer Limits. Yeah, there's there's an episode of The Outer Limits, in which this guy is working on nanotechnology, like nanobots, and he injects himself with some. And at first, he's like, get like he feels stronger. He's like healthier, and he's like, wow, and all of his physical um, vitals and all that stuff. Yeah, just looking great. But then starts to take a turn because he's like, uh, what's happening? It turns out the nanobots are evolving him because, you know, <gasps> why not? evolution. <laughs> yeah. He, I think he, he grows like eyes on the back of his head. And, then he, and then he grows gills. So what? he can breathe underwater. Was he jumping in water so much that nanobots <laughs> decided he needed to do that? <laughs> one of the, the stress tests. Was him holding his breath underwater. So then the nanobots were like, oh, he's holding his breath for a really long time. Let's just give him gills. (laughs) This one time it occurred, gills. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, 
I think it's some, I don't know how it ends, but he like develops the ability or I don't know if he develops the ability to be, become electric, like an electric eel. And he's zapping like all of those he loves. And he's like, I can't control. <laughs> it's like the Midas touch, but it was electrified. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Sam so, nanobots. That's going to happen when you eat them. <laughs> uh, do you think they could get the microplastics out of my body? <laughs> Or would it just be like compounding the issue and making it worse? I I think the the nanotubes will get the microplastics and then make themselves bigger and just build stuff. <laughs> like build structures like uh, yeah. plastic things in my body. Oh, yes. sad. Anything else to add? Uh, you mentioned it when when uh, you said that. How is a photosynthesis thing not a bigger thing to talk about? It reminds me of. Uh, one of the news articles that said um, scientists have been able to use atoms to cal- per, uh, perform calculations. And what? I was like, why is nobody talking about this? <laughs> it was like a tiny article that says they were able to get it to like add two numbers. And I was like, what? <laughs> like on, on its own, the, the atoms did that? I have no idea. The atoms comprehend mathematics? <laughs> What? <laughs> or is it by like random chance they bleep blooped into something and, <laughs> and I uh, think added things? I think they did. They like they ma- manipulated it somehow, but they shocked it with electricity. Put nano <laughs> nanotechnology inside it. It's evolving. And I can't even find the article anymore. Jesus. Internet AI, AI took it away. <laughs> so, Said it. You're gonna be crazy now. You're gonna be the crazy person. Yeah, yeah. Adams can be can calculate <laughs> stuff, guys. Adam's we're gonna come up. We're gonna do atom computers, atomic computers, guys. The size of your thumb. You did that in your Howard Dean voice. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so articles like these are frustrating to me because there is rarely any follow up to them. Uh, I I couldn't really find anything, and I. And I think it's really an issue with the reporting on scientific information in the news. It's all about the crazy clickbait title, and we never hear about it ever again until the internet AI says we haven't talked about spinach emails in a while. Let's do stories about this thing like it just happened last year. I honestly don't think we'll ever hear about this again. I uh, I don't think it actually will ever be applied to the point that they want to. Do you have any hope for this technology? I mean, yeah, I think even though there's not going to be any follow-up news, I know I'm sure there's uh, MIT still researching this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It's yeah. it, it's like you said, it is, it's difficult to find out those specific things because uh, because it's an academic thing. Like, for example, mm-hmm. I, f- I looked up the, the paper that it was based on. You can't access it unless you pay for it. And it's like, you get the full PDF. It's like 11 pages for $32. No, thank you. <laughs> At that point, I'll make my own spinach emails <laughs> and write about them. Hopefully, I'm wrong and the application for it comes eventually, but I have my delts. So final consensus, fact or fiction about the spinach emails? Definitely a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My gosh, facts all over the place in this one. <laughs> How about, as we end here, your favorite article of the four? Which one uh, grew its roots most deep to your 
bomb you keep in your chest and detected it. <laughs> My nanotubes <laughs> were tingling. I'm going to have to go with uh, Nostradamus. Oh, simply, really? <laughs> simply because I, I, every year is always going to be something new. Mm-hmm. Because we have until 37 whatever year. Um, I'll be dead by then, but... Your chatbot AI is going to be alive <laughs> then to discuss it. AI <laughs> will be making up new quatrains, mm-hmm. so it'll live on to the end of time. I'll just think we could have a Nostradamus chatbot, and it could just continue on forever, infinitely make them. <laughs> and then wouldn't it just be Nostradamus making more quatrains? Basically. We have to get all of his social media posts and personal messages so that we can replicate his personality well here's here's another thing that i just thought of that could be interesting like uh discussion of the chatbot so say it's a chatbot of somebody like uh stephen king prolific writer that has a shit ton of stuff out there that it could be trained enough that it could write potentially a new story after stephen king is dead does that still belong to stephen king or does it belong to whoever owns the chatbot? Would that belong to Microsoft? Or would it belong to the chatbot itself? Yeah, the, the chatbot, its own functioning Stephen King. Well, I don't know. I need <laughs> Aether Committee to tell me this. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that I am aware of a software that... Is written mm, by Stephen King. It's written by Stephen King. <laughs> it uh, it uh, it was written to imitate the style of music that you feed it to, like make so, new music, and it'll make new music. Yes. So there's a it's um like an AI composer. It's an AI composer. Yes, and it produced like the 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 guy who who wrote it would like feed it a bunch of Bach chorales, and then it would spit out brand new corrals in the style of Bach. Is the AI aware of their sexual diseases that it has, <laughs> STDs? <laughs> no, I will be sending it a pillow soon. <laughs> but I think as far as I can tell, those tunes that it's produced aren't really owned by anybody. They're just there. Would there be an argument that the person that authored the AI would be the owner? Well... I mean, I guess in the sense he's the owner in the sense that he would be able to put them out, right? Because mm-hmm. the software spits out the tune, but then he's yeah, but it's not really he has to physically upload it and share it to the rest of the world. Yeah, it's, but it's it's a fun thing to think about because it's not ultimately his creation. He didn't compose it. Yeah, he just wrote the thing that composed it. He'd never potentially never would have been able to compose that specific piece of art. Yeah. Can't believe I just said like a computer made art. <laughs> That's a hard concept to follow. They're taking over. That's why we need the temp poles. <laughs> uh, we're talking about state farms, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. we're going with yours. <laughs> <laughs> so don't throw away, don't throw away your spinach just yet, and please stop using those outdated methods of emailing and head on over to Twitter. Where the spinach can't get you. And tweet at us at Cracking Curious. Spinach can't get you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, 
not only you know what don't don't just eat uh tw- tweet at at cracking curios also follow us on twitter mm-hmm. because following is nice um well here's a fun I, thing to think about why doesn't twitter sponsor another mit research to include in the research that the spinach tweets out to the um <laughs> to the researchers and then they sponsor the spinach tweets. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter. I think I think our curiosities should get on Twitter if they're not on Twitter already. And then tweet at Twitter and say, hey, get, get your spinach, spinach tweets. Get your spinach <laughs> tweets. So, uh, you know, tweet at us with the hashtag cracked cryptids and also hashtag spinach tweets. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> You can also head on over to Instagram and follow us on there as well at Cracking Cryptids. And although it's not as uh, versatile, versatile as Twitter, you can message us on any of our posts, send little comments, little hearts, all the things. Like all of our pictures, please. We need the validation. Mm-hmm. GIFs, or as deviants say, GIFs could be sent to us. <laughs> and finally, you can grab those spinaches that I know you saved. Is that how you save the plural of spinach? Spinachi? <laughs> Spinachi? And have them send an email to crackingcryptidsandcurials at gmail.com. And if you're not following us on your favorite podcast platform, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and find us at all the ones you can think of because too, too many to list, really. And then write an AI that makes more. As always... Toodles. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. I am handwriting a personal note to Scott Stapp and apologizing for not knowing Creed's first album.